Well, we are in uh, the last week of our sermon series that we've entitled Jesus Said, where we've been taking time uh, during this season of what we call ordinary time. You may have heard that several times, but it's a time that falls between um, uh, Advent and Christmas tide, and then between Lent and Easter. And so uh, it's, it's kind of this in-between time. Uh, and one of the things we thought is it would be good to spend some time engaging with Jesus through the things he said in that in-between space, in between the anticipation and arrival of Jesus that we celebrate with Advent and Christmas tide, and then uh, in between that and the death and resurrection of Jesus that we enter into through Lent and Easter. Um, it's, a, it's a space, if you think about it, it's like the rest maybe between some musical notes or the space between some words, the, the drive or the walk in between a meeting or an appointment, the breath before an action, the day-to-day, the moment-to-moment kinds of spaces that we've asked Jesus through what he said to come and be present. And this event that we're going to look at today it's kind of a, it's an interesting one for us to be looking at. It's got a lot of feelings in it. There's a lot of emotion that might be attached to this. And it's going to be Luke 23, 32 through 43. So if you have your Bible, you can turn there. If you're online, you can go to our online platform. You can find a Bible app there to go to Luke 23, 32 through 43. Or the words will be up on the screen. And you can follow along as I read. This is Luke 23, 32 through 43. Two other men, both criminals, were also let out with him, that's Jesus, to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he's God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was written a notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you were under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, this is one of the most well-known moments of Jesus' life. He's endured torture. He's suffered through a lot. And we get to this point in the story where we find Jesus has been put up on this cross, but he's not there alone. There are two criminals with him, one on the right side And one on the left. And in the midst of this, somehow, Jesus finds the capacity, finds the space to say one of the most famous things that he's quoted for. He says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And in this moment, he's speaking of humanity. He's speaking on behalf of humanity through the the, the people who were there actively killing Jesus. And he says, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. After everything he's endured, we see Jesus living out what he preached earlier that we talked about in Luke 6, where he says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, 
Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Jesus on the cross is still able to forgive his enemies, to love the ones who have abused him, to do good to those who hate him, and to pray for those who are actively killing him. And in doing so, Jesus continues to be the one who expresses the fullness of God's kingdom by flipping the tables. Because in this culture, there was never an instance where someone who is inferior through whatever system would be forgiving someone above them. It just didn't happen, right? It, it would be seen as like culturally inappropriate. And, and this still exists today in a lot of ways um, and, and in all kinds of settings. I remember I was uh, spending a week at this monastery um, with a friend of mine, and we just went to go get some time away, and, and it was delightful in lots of ways, right? And we got to go eat with the monks, um, and when they eat, they, they, they don't talk, they're silent, but there's someone who's reading, right? And, and one of them was reading from the Order of St. Benedict, and, and the part they were reading said, if ever, if you're a younger monk, or an inferior monk is another way to phrase it, if you find that you feel like an older monk or a superior monk is treating you rudely or inappropriately, some way that makes you feel angry or sad, or that, that the way to deal with that is to go to them and then do penance at their feet until those feelings passed. Right? Yes, someone said, wow, yes. Right, that was their way of dealing with that because it would never be appropriate for you to accuse the monk of treating you inappropriately and demand forgiveness of them. So Jesus in this instance says, I'm the one who forgives. I'm the one who can forgive. Even though I have been through all these things, I have the person, I have the identity, I have the authority, I have the power to forgive, not just forgive of this moment, but, but to forgive all of humanity's sins. Right? And now in our world today, what I want you to hear though, this does not mean that you submit to an abuser in such a way that keeps you in that relationship. Right? Forgiveness doesn't require that you do that. Right? But that Jesus is able to say, no, I can forgive. And there's something in that that we're going to discover that's important. But I do want you to hear that other part too, that it doesn't mean that you stay in a relationship or in a situation or in a system that is abusive. Right? It doesn't require that you do that. Jesus, in this instance, is participating in God's will that he give his life. And so he's, he's doing that and he's forgiving through that. After that moment, though, where he says that, we enter into a series of three accusations. The first one is they say. And it's these rulers that are present there. It says these rulers who were there and they say, he saved others, let him save himself. If he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. So these are the leaders of the time in that area that have gathered there. They're watching this take place. And this is their response. Then the soldiers who were there, Jesus says, it says they bring Jesus some wine vinegar. But they also say, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. 
right? And there's this sign above his head that says the king of the Jews, and it's meant in a mocking way. And then the third instance is one of the criminals says, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us, right? Not just you, but save us also. Have you ever had a moment where you felt like everything and everyone was working against you? We're not a single thing about the day, the minute, the week, the year, however long it is, has not been going your way. And in fact, not only are people working against you, but maybe they're trying to use you like the criminal. Not just save yourself, save me too. People are demanding things of you. People are asking things of you. You have nothing left to give. Maybe... Even the things that were once seen and, and for you felt like a strength or something that lifted you up, something that encouraged you, is now being used in a way against you to bring you down, to mock you. Right? We have words that people are using now about Jesus that we see up here. King of the Jews, God's Messiah, chosen one. These things have been said about Jesus in other places. And in other ways, Luke 9, 18 through 20, once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were there with him, he asked them, what do the, who do the crowd say I am? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. Okay, okay, but who, what about you, he said. Who do you say I am? And Peter answered, God's Messiah. Right here we have Peter affirming in Jesus. Now this is who we say you are. Luke 1, 22. When all the people were being baptized. Uh, sorry, it's 322. Uh, but Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him, on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. You are my son. You are the son of God. We see this also in Luke 9, 35 and 36. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone and they kept silent, told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. And so once when Jesus' friends, his followers, other people were calling him the Messiah, they're now quiet. Or maybe even denying they know him. And once when Jesus hears God say, this is my son, my chosen one, we now have people using those same words mocking him, insulting him. And Jesus' response is not to argue with them, not to pull out a big book and hand it to him, say, here, read this about me. He turns to God. He asks for the forgiveness of humanity. And it's in this moment that we have this other criminal that speaks up. We had the first criminal who had said, you know, ah, save us and save, you know, save yourself and save us if you're the Messiah. Right? But this other criminal now jumps in, rebukes the guy. Says the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man, speaking of Jesus, has done nothing wrong. 
So not only does he rebuke his friend and say, dude, you got to dial it back a little bit. But he says that Jesus is innocent. He could have just said, man, you're wrong. But then he speaks of Jesus. Jesus, you're innocent. And this is where, for me, I begin to wonder, how is Jesus feeling in this moment? Because it's hard for me to imagine anything but excruciating pain. And yet I wonder if in the midst of this, something happens. Because if we go back to the question I asked a moment ago, have you ever felt a time where everything was working against you? People are demanding things of you. People are maybe trying to use you. People are saying things about you that used to be a strength and now they're an accusation of some kind. All this stuff. And what if in the midst of that, all of a sudden there's one voice, maybe from a really unexpected place that speaks for you, a voice that believes in you, that stands for you. And I wonder if in this moment for Jesus, something like that happened. Because Jesus, as we read, if we read further, he's going to, in a moment, just give up his life. He's going to succumb to death. Maybe he's already in that spot. And then this voice says, no, but this guy's innocent. He's done nothing wrong. All these things are not true. Maybe Jesus, something stirs in him to have just enough to hear for just a moment longer when this man says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now again, this is a person who now is asking Jesus to do something. Asking something of someone in this moment. Asking him to care. Asking him anything in this moment seems so difficult. But in this moment, this man gives Jesus some dignity. He says, I don't know what your kingdom is, and I don't know where it is, and I don't know when all this is going to happen. But whatever it is, whenever it is, however it happens, will you remember me? And there's something interesting in the way the criminal does it. Because he says, Jesus... Now, when I first read what I'm about to tell you, I didn't find it to be, it didn't uh, resonate with me as true. And I did some research, and so I'm going to, it's pretty close. Um, but you're hard-pressed to find any other spot in all the rest of the Gospels where anyone refers to Jesus simply as Jesus who's engaged in conversation with him. Rabbi, teacher, Messiah, Lord, Master, there's lots of other titles they give him, Jesus Christ. They may refer to him as Jesus, our rabbi, something like that. The writers certainly say, Jesus, Jesus did this, Jesus did that. But anyone engaged in conversation, it's very rare to find a moment where someone simply says Jesus. And especially in a moment where a lot of those titles, chosen one, Messiah, Son of God, all those are being reinterpreted, mocked, insulting, to have something reach through that that says, mm, I don't know about all that stuff, but I've heard these people refer to you as Jesus, so that's what I'm going to call you. And he simply calls Jesus by his name. There are spots in Scripture where people get called by their name, and it brings something up for them. If we look at John 20, 11 through 6, it says, Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying, 
as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. And at this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. And then he asks, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? And thinking she, he was the gardener, she says, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him. Tell me, and, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned around, turned toward him, and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, teacher. There's something in this moment. Jesus, he says a whole bunch of other things Mary doesn't realize, but when he says her name, when he says Mary, something stirs in her. There's a recognition. There's a remembering both in her part and I think for Jesus that does something. And I want you to hear this morning that Jesus remembers you. Jesus knows your name. You are not forgotten. And this idea of remembering is something that occurs throughout Scripture, and it's a very powerful thing. It happens a lot in the Old Testament. There's this idea of remember, remember. Oftentimes it's remember the Lord, remember the Lord. But there are times when people are asked God to remember them. This guy, Samson. And Samson, Samson's got so many issues. Really does. If you ever read through that, just... Read through it with a lot of like, oh my gosh, what is wrong with Samson? He's got so many issues. Um, but, but in his dying moment where he's being ridiculed by, by their enemies, he asks, God, will you remember me one more time? Give me my strength. Right? We have another moment where Joseph, uh, one of the, the patriarchs in, uh, in, in Israel's history, is being held prisoner, um, and he interprets a couple of other prisoners' dreams. And, and for one, it goes really well, and for one, it goes really bad. Uh, but he tells the person uh, who it goes well, he says, um, but when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. Right? And so there's this idea that remembering has something to do with like doing well towards someone. This criminal asks to be remembered. And I think does so in an interesting way. This, this criminal, as far as we know, knows very little to nothing about Jesus. Right? It doesn't say a lot about him. Doesn't just says, you know, Jesus, remember me. It has this feel of, so whenever and wherever and whatever you're doing, you know, people are calling you king, and I don't know what that means, but whatever it means, will you remember me? Wherever you're going, will you remember me? Whatever you're doing, whoever you are, will you remember me? And that Jesus says in this moment where he's almost dead, completely weakened, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. He doesn't say, oh yeah, I'll remember you. This sense of remember that this prisoner or this criminal asked for is one of, hey, can, can I just get in the door? I, I'm not really expecting a lot. I don't really expect a lot of attention from you. I'm not expecting you're going to spend a lot of time with me. I just need to be in the same space. That's all I'm asking. And Jesus says, you know what? Yes, 
Today, you will be with me. The implication is that the intimacy that the criminal has extended towards Jesus and calling him by his name, which is a, is a really cool thing, Jesus receives, meets, and then goes beyond that and says, yeah, not only will I remember you, but you're going to be with me. You'll be at my table. You'll be sitting with me, near me, with me. And so Jesus, I think, is not only just stirred in this moment, but that the words of this criminal that, that, that engages with him, there's a sort of unprecedented intimacy that he meets it with. And I think that's really good. It's good for us to hear. It's good for us to know wherever we're at. I think Jesus has this intimacy that he's offering. The other side of this, though, is that I think we often hope and we often want Jesus to kind of zap us out of the situations we're in. To sort of do a finger snap and move us from here to a better place. Um, and it just it doesn't often happen that way. What Jesus does instead is enters into our world. Enters into our pain, our suffering, our joy, all the stuff in between. Lives our life dies a criminal human death. We see the extent that Jesus will go to to offer us this invitation of intimacy, this invitation of no, I'm not only going to remember you, you're going to be at my table. This is what it looks like for Jesus to remember. I think our world is forgetful. A quick example is thinking of how our culture and how we as individuals deal with celebrities and athletes. We love them, but we use them, we consume them. When they're no longer as strong or fast or beautiful or powerful as skilled as they once were, we often talk, oh, do you remember when they were, or we just forget them. And move on to the next one. Jesus knows that we might even do that with him. But he forgives, invites, remembers, is with us. This uh, past weekend was my uh, youngest daughter's birthday. And so we had some family come up and, and my, my parents were there. And as they were leaving, we, I, I walked out the door with them, walked them to their car. We hugged, they got into their car and I stood on the, the sidewalk and, and waved until I couldn't see the car anymore. And... Um, and, and that might not seem like, oh, that's nice you do that. But, um, but growing up, I learned that this is, this is a thing uh, in, my, in my family because my grandparents' house had, if I'm standing in their house looking out in their front yard, it had a driveway that came up in like a half circle. So you could come in, park in front of the house, drive out, and the main road's out in the front. So whenever we would get there, we'd always come up the same side. We'd park in the front, and we'd go in and do whatever we were doing. Um, and then when we left, we'd go out, and my, always my grandmother, sometimes my grandfather, would come out on their front porch area, and they'd stand there, and the car would drive out. And we always had to drive the, the, the main street back in front of their house. And I remember my grandmother especially would stand there and just wave the whole time until we couldn't see her anymore. 
And as I grew up, I remember sometimes going there by myself. And it might be after I was going to their house, I was going somewhere different than going back home. And so instead of going back in front of the house, I would, it would be better for me to go the opposite direction. But I never did. Not once, because I so loved that moment of seeing my grandmother waving back at me. And if I would have driven the other way, I wouldn't have seen it. And what I wanted, I wanted to be remembered. I wanted to be known. I wanted to just love that space. And I love that image. And I learned, this is how you remember people. This is how you love people. This is how you care people. Make space. You take a second and you stay out on the front porch. You stay out on the sidewalk and you wave until they go. And sometimes when people come over to our house and I don't do that, I feel that. I'm like, oh, I missed that. Oh, I didn't do that. And there are lots of times where I haven't done that as well. But that's, that's something I long for and I think we all do. And as we are remembered by Jesus, I think we learn how to remember others. And it is my hope and my prayer that no one's ever left out. That everyone could get to know Jesus, to, to, to experience that intimacy that he offers as we say, I just want to be remembered. I, I want to be known. And Jesus is like, yeah, I got a spot for you at my table right with me. Not at the far end, not just in the room, but with me at the table. With that, I want to invite the worship team to come back up. We're, uh, we're getting ready to enter the, the, the season of Lent, starting this Wednesday, as Rich mentioned, on Ash Wednesday. Um, we're going to have a cool service. Please come and participate um, in it. But Lent is a time, it's, it's associated with reflection and growth. And the way we've often couched it is it's like a seed in the ground that is going through that transformative process uh, where it's going to break through the dirt into the light. Um, and, and that light is, is seen as Jesus' presence on earth after his resurrection. The resurrection is the light. The seed in the ground has been moving and growing, waiting to receive that light. And it has been our sense that during this time, this ordinary time, getting ready for that, that it would be great to have some centering time on the words of Jesus. Because what we're going to do, as Rich mentioned, it's called Lent together. So the idea is that we're going to work together. We're going to move together. We're going to sing together. We're going to share together. We're going to do all kinds of stuff together. We're going to be looking at the last three years Right? I remember talking the other day with someone like, do you remember what it was like right in the beginning of the, of, of the pandemic and, and, and locking down and some of the things we were doing and thinking? I don't know if you remember, we set up in here, we still stayed in the round, but we had all the chairs were distanced apart, right? Because we were just trying, which, but what do we do? How do we move through this? That, that sense, but what, through the time, what have we lost? What have we gained? We're going to be exploring all kinds of questions like that. Where does God want us to move? And we felt it was critical to have some time centered on Jesus. What did Jesus say? And I want us, as we move into that now, to go with the idea, the reality that Jesus knows us. Jesus has remembered us and has invited us into that space with him. Because that, I think, is a healthy space to be able to go in and say, you know what? I lost this. I can be honest about that. I can share that. I gained this or, or wherever it is. 
And so I hope today and moving into that, we can remember that, that we are remembered and known by Jesus. I have a couple of questions I'm going to ask you. The band's going to play and give us some time to think about those. Um, the prayer team will also be up. So if prayer team, if you could uh, come on up, that would be great too. It's for you. Anything you need prayer for, uh, they will be there to help you uh, to pray through that and celebrate if it's a celebratory thing. Uh, and then we'll have a closing song and a benediction. But my questions for today are these. When you imagine being remembered by Jesus, what does that look and or feel like? Right? And as I thought through this, that's kind of a hard question for me to answer. Like, what does it look like? Feel like might be a little easier, but look like, you know, does it look like Jesus sitting with me, embracing me? Does it look like something radically different than that? I don't know. But for you, when you imagine being remembered by Jesus, what does it look or feel like? Secondly, how does this encounter with Jesus we looked at this morning inform or shape your thoughts about being remembered by Jesus? Was there something we, we, we engaged with this morning? It was like, oh, I hadn't thought about that that way. Or maybe it reinforced something. Or no, I, I don't like that at all. Or, you know, where are you at in that? And, and, and how does what we did today in, inform that? And then lastly, how does it affect or impact your thoughts about the importance of remembering others uh, in thinking through that? Um, I'm going to pray. And then, uh, like I said, we'll have a moment to reflect on those questions. Um, and again, if you need prayer, the prayer team will be there for you. So please, uh, please go visit them if that's what you need. And then uh, we'll have a song and a benediction. God, I give you deep thanks uh, today for your presence with us. Jesus, that um, we encounter you in this moment where uh, you could have just said, you know what, I'm done. And I think you'd have been completely justified in doing so. Um, and yet, somehow I think you were moved by this person who spoke truth about you in the midst of a sea of ridicule, in a sea of insults. You somehow found a space to say, you know what, no, 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 you. I will, not only will I remember you, you'll be with me. And I think it's, it's something in all of our hearts that desires to be known, that desires to have that kind of space where we can hear on a day or maybe of a longer season where things have been going against us to know there's a voice that speaks for us. And that's you. That we would find you, we would know you and be able to be with you. And Lord, I pray that for everyone. Pray that in your name, Jesus. Amen.